This week's episode of Blue Breakaway is brought to you by... I'm somehow alive and so hungover. Oh, but we won the Winter Classic. Okay, let's, let's podcast. Okay, shh, shh, let's go. Hey, Bullshirt Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Bullshirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my lovely co-host, slash host, slash man of the hour, slash man of the year, 2018 man of the year, Gregory Kaplan. Greg, say hello. You gotta slow down, man. You sound like, uh, what, 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 did, uh, what did one of our listeners call you, a chipmunk on crack? Yeah, so to quote Accurate. Elaine Vigneault, I think I'm still a work in progress. Oh, I see what you did there. You like that? That was good, right? <laughs> uh, fuck him, but keep going. Hot start. Welcome. The Winter Classic has just ended. We are somehow podcasting. I'm on a very few hours sleep. Greg, you're always on very few hours sleep, uh, as that is noted. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, ga- actually, I got I got um, depressingly a lot a lot of sleep last night because I didn't go to any New Year's parties. It's depressingly. I will say I was in Philadelphia, and uh, dude, dude, between you and us, between you, me, and the wall, and this path, or a good friend in the, in the room with you right now, fuck, uh-huh. dude, fuck Philly. <laughs> yeah not great don't, man don't, uh don't tell anyone don't don't need to you're just like feeding my ego by saying that because you know how i feel about the city i, I want to say one nice thing i know this is tough okay this is tough go i went to go the ahead. i wasn't able to stay in philadelphia today because i had to come back home to record this podcast because i couldn't get it to, couldn't get it to work on mobile so i'm back in long island to record this podcast but went to the Mur- mummer's day parade in philadelphia the what the mummer's day parade I have to tell what you. Is a, what is a mummer? A mummer is a person. It's like a play person. And they all dress up as sort of uh, costume kind of clownish characters. And they all. Okay. It, it's it's pretty much no rules day in Philadelphia. You can drink in the streets. Everything's closed. It's pretty much like Mardi Gras, Philadelphia. It was one of the cooler things I've seen there. And probably the only cool thing about Philadelphia. I'm not sold. I didn't think you would be. But I uh, <laughs> I would go back. I wouldn't do New Year's Eve. I would just do Mummer's Day. That's all I okay. would Okay. But is Mummer's Day... On New Year's Eve? It's on Is that New- the thing? It's New Year's Day every New Year's Day in Philadelphia. They close down like the whole town and everyone goes in costumes and bands play and everyone gets hammered. Okay. Uh, I don't think of- anyone in but people from Philadelphia aren't people I want to get hammered with. Fact. I did uh I went to a diner and I was wearing my Ranger scarf and the guy was like, I can't serve you. <laughs> I was like, hey, I get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, if I if I if someone said that to me in Philadelphia, I'd be like, Great, you fuck you and just leave. Yeah, I just was I told him fuck the flyers, but then he was really nice to me at the end and he wanted to talk hockey and said we had a two year window and I thought that was really nice. Oh, the Rangers have a two year window? Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, We do? Is A V the coach or not? I think he is. Let's. Uh, I don't know then. Let's stop being off track. Do we do that here? Um, no. No, never. This week in Rangers action, the Winter Classic happened. We won three two in overtime. You know what else we did this week? Two other overtime games. One. Uh, and we lost one. We did. We won one against the Capitals, and then we lost one against the Red Wings. Uh, I don't know why I'm pronouncing it like that, but I am. I don't, I don't know either. You, let's talk. Uh, let's talk that Capitals game. Okay. You're right. I'll start. <laughs> I'll go first. That's fine. Yeah, sure. Don't worry, Greg. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Oh, yeah. Go. go. Uh, this is, this am, is your I, I was pausing. I was pausing. <laughs> go. Let's go, Oklahoma. All right, keep going. Okay, anyway. okay, I'm going. Um, Pavlik, he might be a serviceable backup. Oh, only serviceable? You're only going to go he's, serviceable? He's serv- he was a serviceable backup. He's shown yeah, me good. in his past couple hmm. appearances 
that the mm-hmm. man can play a solid goalie position. I've <laughs> seen him shut down two of the best teams, or, well, I'm not counting pe- the Penguins. I guess I can count them. The former Stanley Cup champions and the Capitals. And mm-hmm. he, Benoit Lair is an absolute master when it comes to reshaping the way backup goalies think and play. I have been uh, proven wrong. Yep. And I, I, I like this. I am eating crow. And but um, not like not the crow buffet that we're going to eat if the Rangers ever win a Stanley no, Cup with if, Elaine Vigneault. Yeah, that buffet will be delicious. But yeah, I, yeah, right yeah, now yeah. I have to eat this crow, Greg, because he you has been he's been absolutely phenomenal in the last couple of games. Now, Ryan, I, I, I want to take a trip down memory lane with you. Oh, let's go. I want to go back <laughs> all the way to summer when the Rangers made this signing official. Yes. And I want you to mm-hmm. think long and hard about what I told you then. Do you remember what I told you then? I, and I had, if I had to guess, Gregory, not with a great memory, uh-huh. it would be yep. give Elaine, uh, not Elaine Vigneault, wow, give Elaine Vigneault time to kill him, uh, give uh, Benoit Lair time to work with Pavlik and get him into mm-hmm. form, and then by midseason, you'll realize it's not a problem. I don't even think it was that in-depth. I think it was simply, he's fine. And you know what? He's fine. <laughs> he's been fine the entire year. He's gotten uh, in, in, in rough start, three of right? his last games. He got he got a the he got the Rangers the most of undeserving points against the Stars. He had a forty save performance against the Penguins, and he shut out the Capitals. And you're still going to sit there. You're, you're going to try and sit there. I know I you're can't. not anymore. I can't right but now. But you, you don't like have He's fine, Ryan. He's a good NHL backup. If I was he's still saying guy, he was bad, I'd work for ESPN. That's... Ryan, he's a guy that can play 20 games a year, 25 games a year, and keep your team competitive in those 20 to 25 games. And honestly, Rick? Which, which, breaking news, Ryan, that's what you want from a backup goalie. Should probably be playing more. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Ryan, he probably should. You know what the funny thing is about um, Pavlik, though, is, of course, Vino gives him the start against the Capitals coming off three days rest for Christmas instead of playing him against the Red Wings. So Hank could have played... Twice in one week against the Capitals and then the Winter Classic. Well, we'll get to more Hank when he's going to play. I have a feeling. Well, let's we'll do it really quick now. We have a we have a schedule coming up. It's the Blackhawks sure. Wednesday, and then we do a back to back over the weekend: Coyotes and the Golden Knights. Pavlik will play against the Coyotes. There we go. Uh, Pavlik <laughs> should play against the Coyotes. Hank will probably start all three games. <laughs> like, let's let's just be honest. Oh, be, be, so I would be surprised if Pavlik gets a start in that back to back. He has that's to. The, that's live right now he has to there's no way you would think you would think uh, i hate this team sometimes um sometimes uh it's it's a nice day today winter classic happened it was, it was nice it but was, uh before we get to the winter classic let's we should probably the, talk red wings let's do a little bit of red wings i didn't get a lot a chance to watch a lot of this game so i'm hoping you can you can carry this segment but oh, why? oh that's uh, that's not great i did not watch this game oh perfect um here's here's my <laughs> questions from highlights and review reading things online because i was a little yeah. i was a little busy that night um okay. What night was this? This was Saturday, it was wasn't Friday. it? Friday. It was Friday. I was I was traveling at that point in time. What the hell was I doing Friday? I do not know, my friend. But why is Kevin Shadow? Yeah. Oh, I know what I was doing Friday. Okay, great. Uh, I, went, I went. I went to see a WWE show. Oh, I should I ask how it was? We could talk about it in the Patreon, or or even nonsense at the end. That's fine. Yeah, um, there you go. I want to know why Kevin Shattenkirk is in the shootout when Ilya Vigneault doesn't trust him. Uh, interesting question. Interesting question. And I think it's worth visiting. It, uh, it, 
I don't know. It, it's kind of in the same category of why David DeHarnay is ever in a shootout. It's almost like AV in his head feels like Shattenkirk is good at certain things, which then should make him good by proxy at other things, even though it's not his game. It's not like because because Kevin Shattenkirk creates scoring opportunities, just as he did today in the Winter Classic. When AV is told that in his head, he thinks, "Oh, that means on a breakaway he can score." Like I, I think when you t- when you tell Elaine Vigneault that Shattenkirk creates scoring opportunities, his head immediately thinks to, "So he's good on breakaways," and that's just not the. It, Shattenkirk is a fine. I, I, I'm not angry that the Rangers put Shattenkirk in a shootout. It's just they have better options. I'm not angry either. I'm just confused as to a guy who openly craps on Kevin Shattenkirk. And then he goes, you know what? This is the guy I need to win the game. I'm like, what? I, what are you doing? It, does, it, does, it doesn't make sense. It's, I, I think the larger problem is Vino trying to identify his shooters and shootouts before it even happens because we've, we've had this exact conversation before. It's just instead of Shattenkirk, we were talking about they are Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's, it's, a, it's a constant problem. Um. Again, the the funny thing is, uh, Shattenkirk, I think, is fine in shootouts. I wouldn't save him for the hammer spot, which is the person who goes third. Um, But it's also one of those things where AV puts him in shootouts after playing him sparingly in third periods. So then he's he's coming in cold. It's it's and I don't think that helps it either. It's just very strange. It's it's weird. as for the Red Wings game, from everything I remember, it was another game the Rangers were, for the most part, outplayed, but they got a point because who was between the pipes? Mr. Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah. Uh, and oh, by the way, we should say, uh, shout out to Vinny Letary for getting his first NHL game and goal. Right. All in one fell swoop and uh, then immediately getting scratched. Immediately. Uh, and, and probably rightfully so. Yeah, actually, this is a scratch I don't disagree with. You, I would want Jesper Faust in the lineup over Vinny Letary. I'm... Uh, Letary, I should say. Is and it, then, isn't, um, it, isn't it Letary? Am I am I messing this up? Uh, Sam said Letary during the game, so I'm going to go with Sam. Okay, Letary it is Sam. Uh, yeah, Sam is paid to do what he does, and we uh, we're not. Yep. Yeah, we are not. Paid. So we're we're going to go with if if Sam's whatever Sam's saying is what we're going to go with. So it's Letary. Uh, great goal. I I still think he's an intriguing player, but um, yes, for fast is I, a proven commodity, my friend. Oh, and he had such a nice I, – I know you were driving, but the pass Faust had to set up Paul Carey's goal, it's almost – I I almost want to give Faust the goal because it was just beauty. The Rangers had oh, – they, they scored two goals in the Winter Classic. Let's just jump to the Winter Classic because that's where we are now. Let's jump it down. Um, we had two goals in the Winter Classic, both set up by some of the most beautiful passes I've ever seen. The pass Kevin Hayes had to set up Grabner's goal – Orgasmic, Ryan. And I don't know if the radio call uh, did justice to it. It probably didn't. The radio team's okay. They're, he, just, uh, they're just okay. Well, it, hockey is a hard sport to do on radio. The, radio really should just be a, a baseball medium. Like, it, it's nearly impossible to accurately describe basketball, hockey. Uh, football, football, you could do. Yeah, no, football is just too fat. Like, football is actually good on radio because there's more downtime than you realize between plays. But when the play itself is happening, it's almost too fast to really spit the words out. That's fair. Uh, Getting off off point here. So as always, you're going to see a highlight of this Hayes goal. 
he passed the pass was from behind the net, went through the crease between Leonard's legs directly to Grabner's stick and then into the back of the net. A thing I, of beauty. It, uh, it it it's what makes hockey fun, Ryan. That's what it is. It was just it was beautiful. And the Fost the Fost setup was equally beautiful. Um and then everything after that Grabner goal was just not great once again by the Rangers. Something happens to this team. I was just about to make this point. Is this the point you're gonna make when it's the first a minute of a period? Uh I was gonna say it's the Rangers just go on twenty minute hiatuses. It's constantly. It, but the weird thing is it's never consistent when it happens. Um earlier in the year, the Rangers coming out of the gates just putrid. The first period every night, it would be guaranteed the Rangers would be down two goals because they just wouldn't come out of the gates ready to play. And then recently, it feels like the Rangers have solved that riddle at the expense of the final 30 minutes of a hockey game. Like the last 30 minutes of today's game, the, the Sabres should have just – they were dominating and they should have won, honestly. Probably. Uh, it, it was ugly. It was not – I don't – I. And even Ryan McDonough was playing pretty sloppily. Uh, uh, the the second the second goal for the Sabers. As much as I love Mac and as much as I love Rick Nash, woof. Uh, they, <laughs> woof. I I wish I could sit here and blame it on Nick Holden. Uh, I can't. Yeah. McDonough and Nash just they they fucked up. It would be so and easy. it cost the Rangers a goal. Um, Did it winning the game? And this is will be a point. Well, actually, I want to. Before we move on, it's just so weird how this team in the first minute of play, I feel like they're more susceptible to letting up goals than any other team. It's just actually crazy. We let the first period of, of, of how many games this year have we let up a goal? Like eight or nine in the first like minute or two? I think I know we it's, had a, it, it's nuts. It's it, it feels more than that, honestly. Um, I don't I don't know the exact number, but yeah, it, it, it's it, I think the word to describe their injuries, like their game to game play moody. It's a moody team. Some nights, some nights they dominate. Like there are games where the Rangers are just simply better than their opponent, and then there are nights where, like today, the Rangers on paper are a better team than the Buffalo Sabers. But the Sabers outplayed the Rangers for more than half of this game. The Sabers, I thought they at the beginning of the year they would be a more formidable opponent. They have not been, and Eichel has turned into a very interesting player who is very hot and cold. And I'm not sure they're going to. They're very happy with signing that contract extension with him at this point in time. Uh, I disagree. I think uh, hockey is a sport where one man can't do it by himself. And at some point, you're going to have to put more players around Eichel. That's fair. I, I, I don't think. I don't really think it's completely Eichel's. I'm a big O'Reilly fan. Um, I would love him if that kind of player was on the Rangers, and I love Eichel, but. Outside of them, there's just not a whole lot going on in Buffalo. But what about Evander Kane? I, I like Kane, but I think Kane's getting traded. I think so too. Yeah, they're not building around them. They're not, uh, and maybe, maybe rightfully so there too. It, the Sabers are a couple of years away. Um, they have the pieces, but they have some pieces, I should say, not all the pieces, and that's the problem. I, Eichel's going to be fine. Eichel's going to be a top ten player in the NHL for years to come. It's I wouldn't worry about him. Not if I'm a Sabre fan. I'm very happy to have him locked up long-term if I'm a Sabre fan. I think they're right now they're pretty upset with him. But they'll get over it. Uh, but, guys, you got the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. You'll be all right. Uh, our, our guest today is fucking ecstatic. Yeah, well, unfortunately, uh, we recorded our guest. We should probably talk about that. Have Travis Yost, TSN, coming up on the podcast. Um, big Bills fan. Big, uh, Long Island guy. Long Island guy. Did not know. Hmm. 
Uh, he uh, came on. We do, we do a wonderful interview with him, and it's about 30 minutes long. We recorded, I believe, the day after Christmas. So if we don't talk about anything that happened afterwards, like the Chris Kreider injury we're going to talk about now, that's why. Let's talk about my boyfriend, Chris Kreider. Let's do it. This sucks. It's there, not great. There's nothing fun about this. There's nothing fun no. about any injury whatsoever. Chris Kreider, as many of you know out there, is my boyfriend, Mr. Mr. Dong himself, Mr. Golf. Uh, King, King, <laughs> King Dingling, as our friend Brian Rotanic calls him. King Ding, King Ding. And I just, the way he came out of the game so abruptly and was rushed to the hospital, it's, it's funny that uh, actually a Reddit commenter was like, I'm texting with Chris, Chris Kreider's family right now, and they say it's blood clots, and everyone was like yelling at him, there's no way it's that, he's got traded, he got traded, and everyone's freaking out that he got traded. Turns out it actually was blood clots. Um, yeah, the entire fan base forgot that there was a trading freeze in, in place, so it couldn't have been a trade, but that's besides the point. Totally. This The reports are six to eight weeks. I watched Steven Stamkos miss a whole year last year because of something problem like this. I watched Chris Bosh, his career end. So this is something that I would I wouldn't wish on any player, and it... To happen to my favorite player is a real bummer. And not only my favorite player, but a cog, an essential piece of this Rangers team. I saw a stat I, that I, was I, like, every five games that Chris Kreider's out, they're going to be losing 1.3%. I know this is ridiculous. 1.3% chance, less of a chance to get in the playoffs, um, especially in a tough Metro. I know you're going to say he's not the essential cog. I know that's your point. But I, I just, I really do think he it's going to prove himself valuable by being absent. Okay. So, shout out to you for quoting a Drew Waite stat because that is, that's I believe um, was it Drew from the yeah Drew tweeted out from the PDO podcast. Okay. So hat tip to you for being able to read Drew's Twitter feed. Uh, and our Twitter good friend who's been on the podcast multiple times, Brandon Fitzpatrick, is with is with you. He says Kreider's injury is so significant. This is the time the Rangers should really think about moving assets that are expiring before the end of the year. Um, I am here to say, not so fast, my friends, to quote our good friend uh, Lee Corso. There's no arguing that Chris Kreider isn't one of the probably top four forwards on the Rangers when healthy, all things considered. Nope. Uh, Obviously, he's on the top line. You can pencil him every night. He's going to create havoc for opposing defenses. His speed is very difficult to defend. All good things, nothing bad to say about Chris Kreider's game. And I will also add a caveat that unless Elaine Vigneault changes how he organizes his lines on a nightly basis, you're absolutely right. Rangers is going to be hard for them to compete on a nightly basis without someone like Chris Kreider in the lineup. And we saw that completely in every game since the injury, which was the Red Wings. The Rangers' offense was dormant for times, and... Today, again, the Rangers were terrible for a 30 to 40 minute stretch. They were not creating five on five offensive chances. Um, and a large part of that is because Chris Carter wasn't there. Where I disagree with you guys is I think there is a way for the Rangers to stay competitive without him. The problem is that would require Elaine Vino not trying his technique of spreading scoring between all four lines. And just admitting that the Rangers are going to have two dominant lines and put two dominant lines out there and play them more than the other two lines. Like when you think about it, Ryan, if the Rangers on a nightly basis had a top line of Nash, Zabinajad, Buchnevich, yep, and then a second line of Miller, 
Um, Hayes Grabner? Hayes Zuccarello. Okay. Those are your top six forwards and on your top two lines. And if you play those guys more, and then your third line was DeHarnay, VC, Grabner, and your fourth line, Kerry, Nieves, Fast, or it, however you want to organize those guys. Just if that's your top six, Ryan, that's still a playoff caliber top six. That's a very good top six. The problem is, if you're going to make that your top six and you're going to have your bottom sixes the other way, you just have to roll your lines differently. And we've seen it from Elaine Vino. He doesn't want to do that. It doesn't matter what the personnel is Elaine Vino's given. He wants to roll four lines. So, yeah, you're right. If the, if the Rangers system is not going to be to adjust to the roster that they have, which, again, is one of our, what, three points of the trident in complaining about Elaine Vino. Yep. If you're not going to make an adjustment when there's an injury, you're going to struggle. But if there's an obvious adjustment there to be made for the Rangers, they're just the frustration comes in that they're just not going to do it. I don't see any scenario where the Rangers roll top two lines on a nightly basis that are strong and dominant and just give them more ice time than their bottom lines. They're not going to do it. And if they're not going to do it, then yes, Kreider's injury is going to be felt even more. We saw it today. We saw it against the Red Wings. And we even saw it against the Capitals when he missed two periods. I, I, I just wish this team would make one adjustment, Ryan. That's really all I want. I just want to see them be able to make an adjustment. Well, you know, I mean, A.V. made a brief, tiny adjustment today that kind of ended up winning him the Winter Classic on accident. Um, and somehow he ends up doing this. And I, I don't know if I want to give him credit or not. It was during the switch in overtime when they were switching sides of ice. Every single other player stayed the same, except he took Rick Nash out for JT Miller. JT Miller ends up scoring the goal with the help of the work in progress, uh, Kevin Shattenkirk. Well, I don't know. You know, that, like, do that, I give him credit for that? What do I do? No, because the you you also have to remember that the penalty was called before that, and VC came off the ice too. They just did a they just did a line change, and then that lasted for nine seconds. And they did another line change. They, I'm, not, I'm not sure, sir. That's where you should be giving him credit. The thing that pisses me off is AV will do something stupid like put um Pavel Buchnevich on the fourth line and then Buchnevich will have a good game and people will be like see AV knew what he was doing no no Buchnevich had a good game because of fucking the fact that Buchnevich was playing against lesser opponents Pavel is my child it, he's incredible uh, yeah and there was a point in the third period today where Buchnevich was benched so Jesper Fosk could get double shifted so, I saw that I, I, I well you, oh, you listen heard I listened to that sorry um, so yeah, once again, I, I stopped short of really wanting to give Elaine Vigneault a lot of credit for the things that he does. Uh, but she, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, and I, I just noticed it's players we like and enjoy and think that are good. AKA mm-hmm. Kevin Shattenkirk, who has had his problems up and down, but is still a phenomenal talent and someone you were dying to sign. And, and Pavel Bushnevich. And all of a sudden he just hates these people. Why does he hate them? I just don't understand. How does he not see that they're good hockey players? I think we should also talk. We haven't. I mean, we made mention to it, but we haven't talked about his pregame Shattenkirk comment. Okay. Calling Kevin Shattenkirk a work in progress. What does that mean? That must mean in AV lingo that he thinks Shattenkirk can be better than he is. Uh, I will admit that Shattenkirk's not exactly playing well, but I will also say a lot or not a lot of, but some of the reasons why Shattenkirk isn't being playing well is because of how he's being deployed which falls on the coaching staff. I can't say it better myself. That's exactly what the, was happening. He, Shattenkirk came here thinking it was going to be a place they would use him as a kind of build-around tool. I mean, he's made it really clear he wants to be here forever, right? Like, that was that was one of his selling points. 
I think it's more of Shattenkirk didn't realize the defensive system the Rangers were going to try and deploy while he was here. I I bet you he signed with the Rangers thinking they'd tailor the defense a little bit more around his game and his abilities. Like, for example, pairing him with Ryan, Ryan McDonough, McDonough, which is something he talked about when he signed. Yep. Um, I Again, it's it, it, Ryan, what's the theme of this week's podcast? Uh, it's the Rangers not being able to make coaching adjustments when a coaching adjustment is needed to be made. And Do you think case we- in point, the fact that the Rangers are running a defensive system that is unsustainable with the defensive players that they have. Do you think we'll ever be happy? You and me. I realize, like, we've we won two games this week. We had, like, a good week. Winter Classic was here. It was a nice celebratory thing. It was fun. It was a good game. It wasn't that cold. No one died. And we're, like, sitting here like, man, I hate this team. <laughs> I I honestly think it'll be hard for you and I to be completely happy as long as Elaine Vigneault is a coach for this team. Hey, I, 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 Welcome to the Elaine Vigneault Hater Podcast. That's really where we are now. I, and I hate we're, that we're doing that, but we are. This is the, uh, but it is, it is the exact same podcast where you and I talked to each other last week and said we would eat physical crow. Yeah, physical if crow. If you ever want to want to Yes, that's all true. That I, that takes that takes a lot of hate for me to sit down and eat bird that is a scavenger bird and probably takes like <laughs> hey crows are really smart. Uh, I don't know what they taste like though. Sure, <laughs> humans are really smart. Doesn't mean I want to eat them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just saw Boo's real name for the first time on a stat sheet, and I cannot pronounce Christoval. it. Cristobal. 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 There you go. Yeah. Um, it's not that hard. I can't read. And I want to talk about one happy thing before we move on to Travis Yost. Sure. Let's do it. Paul Carey's come a long way, huh? I we were we. It was probably unjust of us it, to it call was. for his demise. It was. I, I want to eat some more crow. It. Paul Carey's a fine player. He's okay. He's he's a perfectly fine fourth line winger, um, and I again, it, it, if it when deployed properly, I think he can be good. I don't. I, I, going back to what our complaint was when Carey remained in the lineup, I still don't think there's a scenario where I would want Carey in the lineup over Boo. Nope. I I, I would prefer Boo Nieves over the lineup, but I will say this: Paul Carey has done enough this season to prove that if it comes down to a choice between him and Vinny Letary. Should leave oh, Paul Carey in the lineup for that, now. That's it. Yeah, no, yeah. He, he's done it. He's I, done that might not. Two weeks from now, we could be talking about this again. Uh, but right now, at this point in time, Paul Carey has played well enough to remain in the New York Rangers lineup. He's got five goals. Pretty good. Yeah, that's it. He's doing all right. He's doing okay. No serious mistakes. You know who's not doing okay though? Nick Holden. That guy reliably <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Hold this team back, Greg. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that'll be one of my better tweets of that, the season. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, I had a oh, I had a good one today, and we're gonna do the podcast thing where I just read you the tweet that I th- was really proud of ooh, today. That, that's good. Welcome, uh, welcome to after, Greg. It was after the first period, and uh, I put my thumbs to work, and I said one period in the books, and I don't think anyone on the Rangers needs Tommy John surgery. For those who don't usually watch games in City Field, this is what we call a success. <laughs> Cool. Can we before we move on? Let's do let's do a little nonsense pre the other okay. side. Sure. Now you didn't happen to watch any of the post game, did you? Uh, I watched some of the interviews. Did you hear any of the songs they were playing? I know I heard um, Jay Z and Alicia Keys. Yep, the classic New York, New York. Heard Billy. Uh, uh, um, 
I don't think it's called New York, New York. Oh, the, another song that was played? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They played. Okay. They played the Yankee I heard, Stadium I heard Billy song. Joel. They played the Yankee heard... Stadium song at at City. They said it was like start spreading the news, and the the, the announcers were like, "Wow, Yankee Stadium? That's weird." Uh, uh yeah. Okay. I also want to talk about how the Rangers got the Rangers, the road team, got use of the Mets clubhouse. Eh, this is weird, right? There's a lot of it's, shifty it's stuff. It's basically here. everyone admitting that the Rangers were supposed to be the home team for this game, but because of tax reasons, the Sabres had to be called the home team. And the Ranger horn sounded like <laughs> well, they played. So they played both horns. Sure, like a horn went off for the Sabres too. If you're the away team, come on. You should not be having the Rangers goal song play while you score a goal. Yeah, like what? That doesn't make any sense. I don't yeah. understand. No, this this is the NHL. They, I think they called it a neutral ice game, sure. but they call it that because they're just not allowed to call it a home game for the Rangers. Okay, buds. <laughs> it, fantastic. Every There are just some subtle things that I thought were hilarious. The Sabres having to use the visiting clubhouse. Uh, the Rangers getting to play their goal song. They're playing New York City-themed music after the Sabres, the home team, lose at City Field. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> if I'm a Sabres fan, I'm like, this is bullshit. This is also, did you know the Goo Goo Dolls were from Buffalo? No, I didn't. Should I have known that? I had no idea, but apparently the Goo Goo Dolls are from Buffalo. That's how you, that's how you support the home team. There you go. You bring in the Goo Goo Dolls, the, the pride of the Buffalo music scene. The Bills are in the playoffs. All right, we're going to go to Travis Yost. We're going to come back with some nonsense for about 10 minutes, and we're out of here. You ready? Good. Sounds are good. you waiting for me to say I'm ready? Yeah, I was. <laughs> no. Uh, yes, I am ready, Okay, Ryan. transition. We're back with our guest for the day, Travis Yost of TSN. Thank you so much for taking this time. We're actually recording this early, so this way you can actually go out on New Year's Eve. I know you wanted to hang out with us, but uh, Travis, hello, my friend. How are you guys doing today? Doing very well. Uh, you know, it's always great to have a, a TSN insider such as yourself. I kid. But uh, so you're sort of an analytics guy. What do you do for TSN exactly? H- h- tell everyone. I'm not sure. You let me know. Uh, no, twice <laughs> a week I do uh, hockey analytics columns for them. It, it, it's honestly more or less, I would call it quantitative journalism, right? It's it's about what I try to do, honestly, for them is I try and fix, find sweet spot topics, provide a mathematical look at, at those discussions. Uh, it, it's an, always an interesting uh, line to walk because you don't want to get you know, too into the weeds of, hey, look, here's this fascinating multiple regression analysis I did, and you got everyone's eyes glazing over. But at the same time, I, I think hockey fans are really starting to embrace the fact that numbers drive a lot of the conversation in a meaningful and important way. So it's a constant uh, tight walk on uh, trying, you know, balancing that seesaw of providing, you know, a mathematical look at, at topics around the league, but at the same time, keeping it so that it's pretty easily digestible. Um, just as one example, I, the topic just, just for today was, you know, the, the story broke out last over the weekend that Crystal Tang might be on the trade block. And, you know, the, 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 the driver of that story, it could be injuries, it could be contract, could be a combination of things. But at least in part, it's because Pittsburgh has not been good this year. And Crystal Tang has been a magnet for every on-ice goal against. I think he's not have his, had his best year, but I clearly don't think there's many performance issues there either. I think Pittsburgh has been – a mix of not nearly as good and also tremendously unlucky. Uh, so, I th- you know, I, for the most part, I think the trade's asinine if you're basing it on performance. If you're basing it on his health, yeah, that's that's a much different discussion, and I think a one worth having at this point. Uh, but, you know, I try, and hit, I try and hit common topics around the league. So I do that twice a week. I do a lot of radio for TSN, and I provide some uh, statistical stuff for uh, their broadcast. Tell me if who I'm do you wrong. Think has more, oh, no, who do you think has got more value on the trade block, though, Chris Letang or, uh, say, a first-pairing defenseman like Nick Holden? 
<laughs> Boy, that is a coin flip. Let me flip it up. Oh, nope, it's Latang. And the coin flips again and it's <laughs> again. It's so it's so close. Wow. Man. These coin flips are so random. Didn't didn't Pittsburgh do this last year though to us where they like pretended they were bad? Um, I, I don't think to this degree though. I, I you are right. Like Pittsburgh was a wishy washy team last year. I I would say they were a good, not great team. Like they, they looked kind of competitive and then they kind of turned it on in the second half and I think it is fair to conclude, though, through the 82-game stretch of last year, there is no sane person that would have argued that they were more impressive than Washington. Like, I thought that Capitals team was the best Capitals team since at least 2009, and you can make the argument they were even better than the 2009 team, which I think was a little more reliant on their power play. Um, but my point being, Pittsburgh was clearly, at best, the second-best team in that division, maybe third, depending on how high you rated Columbus. Um, but I, I think, I think this year's a little different. Like it's weird, man. Like people, you know, people are harping on Latang. He's given, he's been on ice for like 30 some odd goals against the five on five, which is absolutely nuts. But like, you know, Sidney Crosby is like negative 13 in goals at five on five. You, you, you just never see that randomness or not. Um, they're, that's, that's kind of, I think one of the more interesting stories around the league is it's not like Pittsburgh's depth is getting crushed out there. It's funny. Their second pairing has actually been kind of fine. For the most part, the story has been. They're, they're elite names. They're big names. Kessel, Malkin, Latang, Crosby. They've, every single one of them has been outscored at 5-on-5. Five five. And my favorite factoid of them all is the only player that's above water in goals is Justin Schultz, which Oilers fans would keel <laughs> over if they heard that still. So, yeah, it's, a, it's been a bizarre season, but I, I think it's a little more extreme than what we saw last year in Pittsburgh. Is there a way for you to fix it, or do you think you just have to wait it out and assume that great players will once again be great? I think you waited out again. Like, uh, look, let me be clear. You can always tweak, right? You can always add a David Perron type. You can always add a second line winger and a second pairing defender, and it won't cost you a ton, and your window's still open. Like, that's all fine and well. Um, and, and obviously an area that Pittsburgh is looking at, because even if Pittsburgh was having the perfect luck season, I don't think they're the best team in the East. That's clearly Tampa Bay at this point. And that's an important uh, point of concern if you're, if you're a team looking for a three-peat. But at the same time, like, again – at Pittsburgh, those, those core players, their top line, second line, top pair, second pair, are consistently out shooting their opponents at five on five, yet they are bleeding goals against. And, it, it, and that's, let me be clear, it's not just shots. It's scoring chances. It's chances around the net, shot chances from the slot. Whatever way you want to bucket or look at how dangerous their top units are, like they're outplaying their opposition. Now you can make the point, okay, maybe they're not the best team in the conference, fine, but you know, you look at you look at the numbers and you say, "Wow, Pittsburgh's playing pretty well." And then you look at the results and it's like, "Ah, it's terrible." And uh, again, unfortunately, a lot of that is because one guy has really let them down this year in a bad way, and that's been Matt Murray. And unfortunately, they don't have any goaltending support around Matt Murray. And it's it's very hard in this league to look good if your goaltending sucks. Like staying in division and topically, uh, Carolina is in year three or four of being freaking scary to play against every single night except for the fact that their goaltending on any given night can spontaneously combust like it, it, it's just such a big factor it's like starting pitching in major league baseball like if you don't have it in one night you're toast and that's i think that's a lot of what pittsburgh's going through right now is they're just not getting the goaltending nor are they getting any bounces is it equally hard for a team to look as bad as say the new york rangers do all while having elite goaltending because Henrik Lundqvist is playing out of his mind. I, I think the Rangers have been fighting this for a long time, and I, I think in large part 
it's clouded. I, I know this is partially is a fact. Um, they, they, one of, uh, I don't want to tell the whole story, but I'll tell a tidbit of the story. One of the two times that I've really caught flack for something I've written was about a former defender. Um, and there was a stringent and, and very real defense of his performance uh, counter to my argument that, man, he is terrible out there and he is killing the Rangers right now. Well, Dan Girardi? Uh, they, they eventually moved on from him not two months after the fact, after they publicly grieved um, to my to my higher-ups, which I found fascinating because it's like, you don't even believe what you said two months ago. But I, I think to your point, that that's the sort of stuff that clouds a lot of analysis and it makes it very difficult. Like, how do you reconcile Henrik Lundqvist being the magical eraser for close to a decade? Like, it, it's, it, it was so funny to me when he had that, what, 30-game stretch last year where he was tremendously average, and the Rangers looked awful. Um, and, you know, in, in, in some ways, he was outplayed by his backup over that brief stretch. But it, it, it really it, – it's hard to sometimes suss out what is driving performance in a good way and what is perf- driving performance in a bad way. And Lundqvist – is probably the best example of that in the modern era where your team cannot play well on any given night and you can still win the game. I, Carey Price, it was true for Carey Price for some years too in Montreal where if you have an elite elite goaltender, man, it can smooth over a lot of performance issues and it makes it tough for a GM who's trying to nitpick at his roster like, where do I take this? And, and that's where I think a lot of the stuff that I write about comes into play is, hey, look, this guy is you know plus six in goals, but he's absolutely dreadful out there. He's getting out shot out chance every night. Um, and, and a lot of times you see that the performance tend to change over time. But yeah, for New York, it's been a it's been a mess for a long time. But how do you how do you justify it when the Rangers seemingly knew that the defense was a problem? They, for lack of a better term, tried to revamp the unit this offseason. They brought in Shattenkirk, they re-signed Smith, they moved on from Girardi, and yet the results, if anything, have gotten worse defensively. They they can't suppress any shots. Henrik Lundqvist is setting records night in and night out for how many shots he's facing. What? This seems like a long-winded question for me to be like, can you just blame Elaine Vigneault for all this? <laughs> uh, see, I, I'm not – I don't have a sexy take on Elaine Vigneault because I, I see the pros and cons and the positives and negatives on both sides of that debate. Clearly, he has his security blankets. Like the, the, we knew that was true when the Tanner Glass era was around in New York. And there, there's certain guys – that he will play up or around the lineup. Dan Girardi was another great example of that, um, where, where it completely does not, it doesn't seem justified in any way, shape, or form. But I, I think great, most Rangers fans would also agree that's, that's pretty true for every other coach around the league. Like, you know, who's the best? If, if I, just right out of the gate, who's the best coach in the league? Okay, a lot of, you know, some people are going to say Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock loves playing Matt Martin, to which I, I can't reconcile that in any way. Um, you know, John Cooper. Oh, John Cooper's great in Tampa Bay. Well, they went out and intentionally strategically sign Dan Girardi and play him a whole bunch. It seems like every guy has his guy and you're kind of left scratching your head. And the argument I've always made as it pertains to the coaching analysis and GM analysis is I need more good than bad. Like I need a three to one, four to one, good move to bad move ratio. And then I'll defend you every which way I've, I've thought that's why Mike Babcock's a great coach because every once in a while he'll do something crazy, but for the most part at aggregate, he adds value. Um, Saint Bruce Boudreaux, I think, has been the most underrated coach for this entire, you know, the, the modern era since 2007. Like his good move to bad move ratio has to be at the top of the league, and, and I and I get that he's blamed for you know a couple of these these playoff flameouts, and I understand that piece. But you know, that, that, I don't think you can grade any coach in any one individual move. But more to, more to your question about how this, the the construct of the roster and especially the blue line, 
I, I just don't see what they did to really improve things back there year over year, right? Like they, they spend a lot of money in a guy who is a quality puck mover, but he truly is. I hate the way offensive defensemen, the label is thrown around because a lot of times it's placed on a guy like PK Subban or Eric Carlson. It's like that. That's not true. They're just, they're just elite defensemen who tend to be better offensively than defensively. Like they're not, you don't need to bucket them in, in some way. But Kevin Shattenkirk's an offensive defenseman. He, every once in a while, he'll have a game where you're like, oh, that's, that's, that's what's wrong with his game. And, you know, that, that's where they invest their money. And, I, you know, you can debate about whether that was the right move or not, but I don't think Shattenkirk improved their quote-unquote defensive play in any way. I think he makes them a better team, of course, but defensively I'm not so sure. And then what else did they really do? Like they're, they're banking a lot on Brady Shea being a guy. And I absolutely think he is a guy, but it's just one player in a six to seven man defensive pairing rotation. And it's, it's kind of tough to see really how they improve things for Lundqvist or the team in general. I mean, it's pretty much the same roster, except you've got a guy who's maybe a little bit more offensively gifted today than you had last season. Well, we also traded our, our top line center and got back a defenseman we don't play. So that's what we also, how we, you know, improve. We did a great job with that. Uh, that guy's really good at defense, too. Tony D'Angelo is ripping it up. So <laughs> he actually is doing really well at AHL right now, so I can't shit on him. That being said, um, I'm looking at the standings right now. You know, the Lightning have been a dominant team. I think it's pretty clear. Who's the team that could challenge them in the East? I, I, right now, I'm going to say Toronto. Um, I think Toronto has – Toronto clearly – has defensive issues like there is no reason to be inspired by that team at all when they're up two one three two in a game because they they don't have a single defensive pairing and I know they are working their butts off to try and fix that they just don't want to spend the farm to get that type of player but they don't have a pairing that you can you know lean on or rely on and say keep the score the way it is and let's ride this out like they they are going to be highly vulnerable to giving up leads that's the reality of their contract of their roster right now that said they have a quality goaltender, and they when they when their offense is on, I think they are as as scary as Tampa Bay. I, I mean, in some ways, they're actually probably more threatening at five on five. I know they went through a, a brief cool stretch of, of goal production um, when Austin Matthews was out or in and out of the lineup, I should say. But like, there's just so many weapons in that lineup, and they play a lot like that Rangers team did from three, four, five years ago when they were so brilliant on the counterattack, but also could sustain offensive zone cycles and I actually I actually do think that that's why they are maybe a slightly superior product to that Rangers team from yesteryear which is that you know that Rangers team was as good as any at the counterattack, but they, they couldn't sustain play as much in the offensive zone where I think this team this Toronto team can um, but yeah I, I still have legitimate defensive concerns I, I do in the in the other division I really do buy Columbus this year I was more cool on them the year prior but the, the roster's loaded and again they've got a great goaltender um, I, I've never been a big John Tortorella fan. Like I, I don't think screamers and maniacs get there in the end. You know, the, the, the short-term benefit they may receive, I think wears out over the long run. And I think that's why a lot of these coaches ha- have moved to a more calm, cool, confident, you know, I am this guy, this is the way I think, and I'm not going to react like a maniac over any, over anything. And you, you can make the argument that Tortorella is maybe marginally improved on that front, but Outside of him and maybe a question mark on their forward depth, like they've got a, an unbelievable – this Jones-Wierenski pairing is unbelievably good. Their top six is great, and Sergei Bobrovsky is fantastic. You give me that, you can challenge a team like Tampa Bay. So I, I would say they're 1-2 right now. 
Um, I actually might even put Columbus ahead of Toronto. Depending, it, it, A lot of it's going to depend on what these teams do at the deadline. But I, I think those are the two teams I feel most confident about today. Speaking of deadline, in the non-Eric Carlson, Ottawa Senators, do they blow it up category, who is the biggest name you think is going to get moved before the deadline this year? Oh, that's a good question. Asking the hard ones. Yeah, I, there, there, there are a few names. I, I will say, I, I think Mike Hoffman could be shaken loose out of Ottawa too. Just staying on this Ottawa discussion point, it is hard to keep a guy who is a thirty-goal scorer. Where we talked, we just got done talking about coaches. Guy Boucher loves keeping Mike Hoffman on a second, third-line role. Clearly, a first-line winger in the NHL. Like that—that that is a point that is beyond well established. I don't know if they have defensive concerns. I don't know if Guy Boucher just prefers historically a more balanced lineup and like smoothing out his minutes more. But whatever the case is, they don't play him enough as much as they should. And I, I get it. He's not the greatest off-puck player. Um, he's not super physical. He likes using speed. That's fine. But he has just such a ridiculous shot. And he is so tough to cover in the offensive zone. And Ottawa's in, like, this is part of a larger discussion where Ottawa is in a really bad spot right now. They have a not great team. They have an owner who's clearly frustrated to understating that. Uh, find a better word of frustrated <laughs> when you post this. I'll go Pissed cheap. off with, with, with how the team's doing financially. If, if you, and by the way, I would not be quick to say the not Eric Carlson category either. Like, I, I don't see them trading him at the trade deadline. But that, that to me, is the single most underwritten about, underreported story right now is I am, I am extremely, extremely – call it 95% or greater uh, confident that Eric Carlson will not re-sign in Ottawa unless one of two things happens. Ownership changes or there is a complete rebuilding of that bridge. Uh, I think that is a broken relationship, and I, I don't think people realize it, one, because he's got a year plus still left on his deal, but two, I think people just know that, look, superstar players always re-sign with their teams or almost always. I think the last great free agent was probably Ilya Kovalchuk, what, like six years ago? Yep. Um, I, I guess Kevin Shattenkirk, yeah, depending on how you rate him, he's kind of up there too. But Definitely a superstar. I, I think that, it, that, <laughs> that, is the, that is the big story here. Like, I think Hoffman's the most realistic piece, but I, I wouldn't, I'm telling you right now, I, I would not be surprised if Eric Carlson was traded or, I, I, again, it's, it's a really tough discussion about how that would eventually shake out. But I, one thing I do know is that he is not, he does not love the current situation in Ottawa. Um, and I, I just I wonder about whether his heart will be in it to resign there, whether he thinks they can build a team around him, how much he values winning a Stanley Cup, and so on and so on. But I, I think that is a, a topic well worth uh, discussing. They definitely have here. to trade him, right? Like the value they can get back is, I mean, obviously they have leverage you know, if Carlson says he's not going to resign. But if you're going to try and rebuild your franchise, you should retrain one of the best top five defensemen maybe in the last 20 years. They don't, they don't have a choice. And one, and one thing I glossed over too there is I mentioned Hoffman because Mark Stone is also coming due. And Mark Stone is also a phenomenal player. So you've got Carlson and Stone both coming due, who if you aggregate their salaries, they are going to cost at a minimum $18 million against the cap at average annual. I mean, that. Carlson's going to get ten and a half, eleven million dollars. That that is the reality. Lock he it has up. Made it clear that he is he is hunting for the max. He has made that clear. He is extremely pro player, extremely pro union. Um, I, I it's going to be if he says he wants ten and a half. First off, twenty eighteen is the league. You're going to give it. To him. 
And I, I just don't know how if Ottawa wants to fit that in or if he wants to stay there. Um, but to your to your original question about the timing, that, that's why I think this trade would maybe more so happen in the summer or maybe at worst case scenario, the next trade deadline. Reason being is, one, they can't even begin really talking in, in good faith about a contract extension anyway until that one-year marker is hit. And then number two, I think they're going to have much more clarity about what their team looks like and how it's going to be built in the summer. So I, I, I would look at either the draft day or in a in a quickest scenario or the next trade deadline to see if Otto wants to roll the dice again. But, like again, like everything about that team underpins financials. It's why they traded Kyle Turris in, in get, to get basically an extra year out of a Matthew Shane type and are, and are going to pay a little bit of a premium just to get that extra year. Uh, money underpins all of their decision-making, and I, I think this is going to be a topic that blows up, especially as now Ottawa just continues falling down the standings. I mean, as, as Ranger fans, we know this firsthand. We do. We, we got Mika Zibanejad and a second-round pick for Derek Broussard, who is making a million and a half dollars less than his cap hit. And I don't see any way the Rangers do that, get that kind of return for Broussard unless finances came into play. They didn't want to play – they didn't want to pay Zibanejad – and they were getting a player that was making less than his contracted value. It screamed, for lack of a better term, cheap. The, the, the story around Benajad, which, by the way, I completely, completely disagree with. I've been one of his biggest uh, endorsers. I, I just think he's such a fantastic, well-rounded player. There was a lot of nitpicking about, like, oh, his, you know, his concussion history or injury history in general and – you know, he's not as a polished offensive player as we had initially thought. He's not as physical as we would like to see at this point. And it was all like, okay, like even assuming arguendo, some of this is true. Like he's still a top six player in this league pretty considerably. And the, the lucky thing for Ottawa is that Broussard ended up playing, has, has played pretty well in Ottawa. Like I, I think that's been a pretty fair trade, all things considered on ice. But yeah, to your point, Ottawa paid a premium for that just to get out of that contract discussion point. And they will continue doing that and under the, under their current financial stress. That is going to be continually uh, driving. You know, if you it depends on how you believe Kyle Turris, but Kyle Turris Kyle Turris didn't exactly imply that financials were an issue. He said the owner did not want to sign me, resign me, but I think the general manager did. I mean, that's exi- that's literally what he said. So it, this is why I think they are the most interesting story from a trade perspective. Is I, I just think there are going to be more players moving out than moving in there. Can I just say that sucks? Like, I'm sorry, Ottawa fans. That's got to be almost worse than being an Islander fan. You, but Islanders have Belmont now. So, good for them, I guess. <laughs> they did, and, 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 you know what? Full, full, full marks to the Islanders. Not only getting it done, but getting it done and not on a single taxpayer dime, if I remember correctly. That is correct. You're starting to see that's now the second or third time, I think, in the last couple of years. Vegas has a completely privately financed stadium. Now the Islanders do. Um, kudos to them because Calgary and Ottawa are in these, the middle of these. We're going to start screaming for publicly, you know, you know, public taxpayer money for, for these arenas, even though our, old, our current arena is only 15 years old, blah, blah, blah. So, um, but, yeah, it, it, that, that, that does suck. And I think you are – I thought I thought one of the, the funnier things that I saw in the last month or so, when the owner went on a tirade right before the right before their big outdoor game, kicking and screaming about how they're not making any money. I, Gary Bettman is the most buttoned up person I think in the universe. Like he doesn't say anything unless something has driven him to say it. And he when he made the comments, I think two days after on like prime time, a fan five ninety or 
maybe primetime sport. I can't remember exactly, but he pretty much said like, yeah, I didn't really like the owner's timing or some of what he said. And you never, you never hear Bettman take any swings at any of his owners. But the reality for Bettman is that I think he's starting to see, starting to read the tea leaves. Guys like Murray Edwards and, you know, Jacobs, and you go all the way down the line. These guys print, make the league a lot, a lot of money. And you can agree or disagree with a lot of their practices, but Bettman knows who his allies are. And I, I just don't think Ottawa's owner fits in that bucket. He's in bucket B, which is a, a headache. It's him, it's the Phoenix Arena situation, and it's Florida. That, that's pretty much his current headaches. I think Carolina's getting resolved. I think I saw either a transaction is pending or, or approved for sale of that team. So, again, they're, they're, their headaches are limited. But I, I, I think Bettman kind of showed his cards a bit over, over the past weekend on that front. I do, I do love the, the Islanders get the publicly uh, the privately funded stadium. Sports fans are rejoicing from across the country, except here in New York, where sports fans see, oh, the Wilpons put $50, billion, $50 million in that project, yet they can't spend on the Mets. What the fuck is this? And that- can't escape it. Where you go? Uh, oh, man, that, that's I, – I can't I, – you guys could probably do 10 days on the Mets. I don't know if I could spend – Oh, that's – I'm a Yankee fan, but I follow a lot of the Mets. A lot of the Mets storylines, obviously, and the – the Wilpon stuff is—it's cringeworthy. Yeah, reading through it all the time. They had a—they had an unbelievable core that they could have built around, and they've pretty much punted on free agency. What I'm assuming at least three years in a row now. I don't think they've done a single. They fight. got Cespedes. Oh, yeah, they re-signed Cespedes twice. You can't really credit. We can't as a Met fan, and we literally just read reviews of a podcast saying I talk about the Mets too much. We but, did. Uh, spoiler alert: I don't give a fuck. It's what I do. Okay. Um, I just. <laughs> They, you can't get angry at them the last two years. This year, you can be angry. They signed Anthony Swarzak. That's nice. what we've done. Wait, wait, one point of clarification, though. We mentioned that I, I had blanked on the sex, but it's the second version, second iteration of that. But if I remember correctly, one of the two, <clears throat> one of the two re-signs of Cespedes came after the market it was like, ah, we're, we're kind of cool on this guy. And he basically came all the way back around to the mess and signed a I would say a pretty team-friendly contract. Am I remembering that right? Uh, it was the Mets didn't want to go. He wanted a five-year deal. The Mets didn't want to go five years, and they compromised on a three-year deal, but the Mets had to include an opt-out after the first year. And then okay, Cespedes opted out, and the Mets re-signed him for four years after that. So Cespedes <laughs> basically go. got his five-year deal. Okay. Um, I All do. Right, I do enough. want to get back to hockey for a second. Now that the Islanders have Belmont, do you think Johnny Tavares stays with the Islanders? I think a lot of I, – I think Tavar, I think Tavares is going to stay with the Islanders. I think what the Islanders need to show is a move of good faith here. Like, th- that is – again, that's another good hockey team. And I, I can't imagine – if I'm John Tavares or anyone in that organization for that matter, I look around the team and I'm like, we're good. I know we're good. Our goaltending is putrid right now. And the, the, what, what sucks for the Islanders is they've kind of punted on goaltending for a few years. Again, whether you agree with that decision or not, that's where they're at right now. If you assume that we're going to make a good faith move and show Tavares we're serious about winning, we're going to push for it this year, we think our window is open. The problem for the Islanders is what goalie do you source in the trade market? There's just not a lot. Like Robin Leonard out of Buffalo, maybe. Uh, Craig Anderson is having a rough year, but he could be available. Calvin Pickard, maybe. Like there's just Chad Johnson. The Islanders kind of got burned by him over like a 19-game stretch the last go around. But Chad Johnson has been a solid NHL goalie now for a while. Maybe they do a V2 there. I, I just I, I think what the Islanders need to show is like, look, we are absolutely serious about building a championship team. 
And to that end, I think they will, one. And two, I, that's why I put the odds in favor of Tavares re-signing there. Again, it goes back to the Carlson point, which is players are much more likely to re-sign with their teams than not. They can get the eight-year deal. They're comfortable there. Their families are there and so on and so on. But, I, you know, you know, the other counterpoint is when you're a player in your prime and you don't see a lot of light for winning a title and you start to value that more and more as your bank account is flush, that becomes like, hey, I just need a front office that is going to show me that they're going to try to win. And I, I think I think it may be potentially a goaltender move on that front or a player acquisition of some type. Uh, we'll go we'll go maybe a decent way in cementing that with Tavares and keeping him around. Definitely hate is the there, Islanders, but I'm glad they're staying because uh, the rivalry would be miserable. I mean, it would be non-existent. They, there was a chance they were going to be in Canada. Belmont didn't happen, so glad that went. To, what, go ahead, Greg. I was going to say the. Metropolitan, we've kind of danced around this a little bit. It's been a cannibal in and of itself. It's a bloodbath. Which team in the top five of that uh, division do you think is most likely to drop out of the playoffs? Because like we said, we've talked about the Penguins earlier. They're not in a playoff position right now. Do you think that's going to stay, or do you think a team's dropping back? I I, I think the Devils will drop back. I I think the Devils are great, and I I know this is going to – trigger Devils fan like I think the Devils are a great story and I think they're ahead of where they are and I think more than the average stat person I think they're more real than some stat people give them credit for but the reality is they're still outshot and out chance on most nights um, they, they are still working on building that top tier talent the one thing in their favor which makes them very difficult to play against is that they skate like the wind that that is clear when they're when their top five is out there they are incredibly fast they will skate teams out of the building um, the negative side of that is there's still a lot of roster building and talent improvement needs pretty much across the board. And I think most Devils fans recognize that. I don't think that's a, you know, a, 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 an indictment of the team. I, I don't think they expect it to be where they were right now. Uh, but I, like, I, I just can't see – I think Washington's fine for a top three, four, five spot, whatever it ends up being. Columbus is absolutely for real. They have one locked in. And I think the Rangers and Islanders are going to get there too. So if, if – if I'm concerned about one team, it's the Devils, and then probably the second team um, would be the Rangers. But, I, again, I, I draw a line between one and two because I think the only team that's actually going to move down the, down the standings over the next 40 games is really the Devils here. Listen, Travis, we could talk to you for another hour, like super easily, uh, but we don't want to take up more of your time. Before you go, though, we ask everybody the same nonsense question. Uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? All right, this is absolutely a yes. And I, I, it, it drives me nuts that this is still a, a debate or discussion. Like, there's meat between two pieces <laughs> of bread. If I, put, if, I put, if I put a slice of turkey between two slices of wheat toast, wheat bread, whatever you want to call it, what is that? Every single person in this country would say a sandwich. So how come when I put a different type of meat I'm, I'm right between here. Not two every slices person. of bread <laughs> – I, like, it, that's it. That's, it is the same. Uh, that, is, that is the reality. It, it, it warms my heart. You, Ryan can have Steve Hofstetter <laughs> and a host of others. I will stand on this corner with Travis Yost and Adam Clendenning any day of the week. <laughs> Adam Clendenning's on a sandwich, yes? Yes. He's a, he, Adam, Adam came on the pod and said it's a sandwich. This is the hill we're all going to die on together. I'll die there. <laughs> right. I'm right there with you. Um, also, how... Uh, I, I, I see you tweeting about him all the time. I need to know, Bill's making the playoffs this year? No, don't not? do this. I knew you were going to say the B word before he even came out. Don't so why you do this to me. 
the conversation was going so well. I'm, I'm in a good mood. The night's coming <laughs> to an end. You drop a B word on me at the end. That is. Wait, I have a better uh, question. How, how do you feel about Dion Lewis? Your thoughts? Uh, well, he carried my fantasy team to a runner-up finish uh, somehow, some way. So I'm, I'm very pro okay. Dion Lewis. I am but too. The, the, the Bills thing, like, here's the Bills. They, there were six games that were of importance to the Bills last week. So they needed six results. And granted, some of them were underdog results, like the Jets beating the Chargers. So your individual probabilities of getting, you know, one win are low. But acute, your cumulative probability is very high. Like, just getting one of those six results, the chances are very high. The Bills lost. The Colts lost. And, and it's, it's just so funny. You go down the list, all the Bills need to do is win an occasional game. They weren't going to win in Foxborough, obviously, but just a little help from one team around the league. And every week, Bills <laughs> fans find themselves rooting for the following team. The Colts, the Browns, the Bengals. Uh, the Colts, Browns, Bengals, and there was, man, there's one other team, the Texans. Oh, my God. There was a three-week stretch where I was watching Texans games gouging my eyes out. And of course it was post to Sean Watson era. So yeah. So those six games that I mentioned, every single result went against Buffalo, every single one, including Buffalo losing. Uh, I, I just, I see them doing this in the most bills fashion. They win the Miami game and uh, Cincinnati will have a late lead on Baltimore and it'll end with like a blocked field goal return. Baltimore gets into the playoffs and I, I start drinking immediately. <laughs> Uh, okay, on a on a happier note, who wins in a fight, a gorilla or a bear? Happier, all the size is equal. Size is equal. Uh, so we we I I say silverback gorilla versus grizzly bear. I'm gonna go gorilla. Like just the general intelligence level is gonna be a little higher. He's gonna be a craftier fighter. Like you know, like it's a seasoned veteran boxer. Like he gets by on wits, not strength. The gorilla is carrying a higher intelligence level. Generally, the same size. Some quality core strength. I, I I'm gonna go gorilla here. Travis and I are basically the same person. This I, is what I'm learning. I see today. that, Travis. <laughs> uh, hopefully you'll come back on uh, some point in the future. It was a really great time having you up. Before you go, plug your stuff. Um, yeah. So you can read my work at GSN twice a week. I'm on the radio every Saturday and ad hoc throughout the week. Um, don't read my Twitter feed on Sundays unless you just want to laugh at all of my. <laughs> I hate the Bills tweets, which I'm getting the sense that a lot of people like, and that's what they're there for, because every day I get a mention like, ah, man, my day sucked. But you know what? What brought me up was reading your timeline on the <laughs> afternoon. And I'm like, that is not the spirit of this social media account. Um, but if you are that crazy or you need that much of a pick-me-up, you can follow me at Travis too. Awesome, man. Uh, one last thing before you go. I did some Google search on you before you came on. You're, you have an IMDB page, and it's empty. Just want to let you know. Probably should fix that. I do not. I was never in a movie. I can promise you, I was never in a movie. I just looked. It was like Travis Yost. And it was empty. I was like, "Wow, Travis doesn't know." So I just wanted to just wanted uh, to keep you updated. All right, man. Thanks I'm not for, getting any royalty checks. So you're, you're really not. Thanks for coming on. Hopefully, we'll talk to you soon. And appreciate it, man. Talk to you later. All right. Take care, guys. Bye bye. Welcome back. Thanks, Travis Yost, for coming on. Travis is great. Was some- He's phenomenal. Uh, let's peek. Let's peek uh, people behind the curtain oh, a little bit. Peek behind the curtain. So we we sometimes when we uh, when we have our guests on, we don't really know when they're going to call in. They kind of just show up into our conversations. Oh, this was good. And uh, Ryan and I have gotten into this habit of instead of trying to talk professionally before these guys come on, we just talk as, to the shit. As, however, we want to we want to do it. As you can so imagine, Ryan and I were ta- yeah, Ryan and I were talking about 
um, my throw-up escapades in Hoboken <laughs> the weekend before. Yes. And Travis just pops on, and I'm like, so that's when I threw up in the pizza box. <laughs> and, tra- and Travis rolled with it perfectly. Yeah, he, he was, was Travis is a good dude. I, want, I definitely want to have him back on again. Smart guy. Absolutely. I think uh, if the Rangers make the playoffs, we should do a big old playoff preview podcast with multiple guests. I, I, I'm thinking Drew. I'm thinking Travis, if he comes on, I would love Sean Tierney to come back. Oh, I love Sean. And and to uh, chart us up a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't mind bringing back Namita because I'm still a big Namita fan, even though she's a Philly fan, and I will never forgive her for that. Speaking of which, we're having Drew on next week to talk analytics and the Rangers. So get, Absolutely. get ready for a, a nerdy-ass podcast next week. Yeah. Can I tell you a, a ridiculous story I heard over the weekend? I kind of want to get your take on it. I think it's really funny. Would love it. Okay. So this is a, this is like one of those a friend of a friend stories. So stick with oh, me. No. Okay. So this this uh, this woman was told she had to babysit this this couple's cat who was going away. The cat was super <laughs> old, and I know you love cats. The cat was super old, and they're like, "Listen, there's a good chance while you're we're gone on this vacation, you're going to be babysitting our cat, and our cat is going to pass away because it is old. But we booked this vacation, so we're going. So here's what okay. I here's what we have left for you." To take care of this cat when it passes away. You are going to put this cat in a suitcase and bring it to the vet. The vet is fully Excuse me? Yeah, the, the vet is fully aware of of the, the, the cat coming. Take the train in a, in a suitcase, yes. Put, in a suitcase. Put the, put the very fat large cat in a suitcase. Take it on the Boston Metro and bring it to the vet. They know we've called them ahead saying our cat might die. And this person who's taking care of her house might bring the cat to the vet. In a suitcase. In a suitcase. The dead the dead body of the cat. The dead body of the cat, yes. So Okay. So she, so so it happens. She's babysitting the house, the cat passes away, and she uh-huh. up upholds the wishes. She puts the cat in the suitcase, the dead cat, brings the cat on the Boston Metro, and the bag in the suitcase is heavy. The cat was rather uh-huh. fat. So Oh no. She's Trying to get it up for some reason on top, uh, you know, where we've you put, all had that problem. Where, yeah. Hey, hey buddy. Nice. <laughs> um, so it's, 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 she's trying to put it up on top where you like hold the overhead carriage while she's on the train. And this, oh no, someone, someone decided to be chivalrous. Didn't and, this, they? and this nice gentleman <laughs> comes oh. over and says, Oh, what are you, are you having problems getting that up? What phrasing are you having problems getting that suitcase on top to the section where it should be held? And she says, no. yes. Oh, and he goes, well, what do you have in there? And, oh, and, no. And she says, and she stutters for a second. She goes, oh, you know, it's just a bunch of textbooks and my laptop. Oh, no, she lied. And my laptop. And he punches her in the face and takes the suitcase and runs. Nice. <laughs> Fucking love it. Oh, no, that took a twist. That was that much so this guy. Oh my god! I'm so excited to repeat this entire story to so, Spath, who is so, sitting on the couch and so, has no idea what's happening. So right this now. guy stole the suitcase, thinking he was stealing a laptop and textbooks to sell. He went home, opened the suitcase, and found a dead fat cat. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was what's her excuse for why the suitcase isn't back for the family? Does she just tell them the truth? Like, well, she told them the I truth. Got I got robbed. She got punched in the face. She had to file a police report and all that. Is she okay? Uh, yeah, she's also? fine. It happened a while ago. Okay. I, I just don't, don't want to laugh at her expense, but this no, is she, hilarious. She's story. totally fine, but I cannot... The face of this guy, when he opened up this case, <laughs> he was probably like, fuck yeah, I got this laptop I'm going to sell on eBay. I've just made a good score. <laughs> it's just a Merry dead... Christmas to me. <laughs> it's a dead fat cat. Oh my God. Yeah, uh, I had to sp- share that I'm one. just going to give Spath... 
spark notes version of this story real quick. Okay. You're going to hear a story about uh, a cat sitter. Cat dies, was left instructions of how to dispose of said cat. It involves a suitcase, a train, a lie, uh, an assault, and it's going to be great. Um, and that's uh, the story blew my mind. I had to tell it here. Uh, that's I think my favorite story of all time. Now. One of my favorite stories ever. I've ever been told. Incredible. Uh, Incredible. Oh boy. Tell so me. you wanted speaking speaking of fat cats and suitcase, you yes. wanted to talk about the WWE show. I was, that was my transition. You beat me to it. I got you. Um, so the only live wrestling event I've been to before was an NXT show, mm-hmm. and that was fantastic. But this was also because the NXT roster at the time was jacked. Yep. So like people you people you may recognize now that were on NXT at that time, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Yep, no Nakamura. He he was there. Bobby Roode was there. Um, Ty Dillinger was there. Oh, Ty Dillinger, the ten, uh, right? The Fosco was there. It was it was a loaded loaded cast at NXT. Um, so we went to WWE does this holiday tour for both raw and SmackDown and raw had a show here in Albany at the times union center. So me and the Albany bros decided to go see some wrestling. Wrestling. Um, it was, it was fun. I, question mark. The, the thing, well, I wouldn't say question mark. It's just the trick with how shows for the WWE is they say they're having championship matches like the championship is on the line yeah but you know the title's not changing why would it the title's on tv it's only changed on tv they wouldn't do it off screen ever now i will say there are house shows um that titles do change like they have house shows at msg and they treat those as non-televised pay-per-views so you could see a title change there but you're not going to see a title change at a times union center friday night house show where 70 percent of the arena is full yep not gonna see it, uh, but anyway, we the main event was John Cena and Roman Reigns, and oh, they were fantastic. That's awesome. It was it was a spectacular match that I would have expected to also see on a regular showing of Raw or even a pay per view. Wow. It was very good. It was so good that you thought for just a second that maybe a title change was going to happen. Like all of us knew, there's no way that Roman Reigns is going to lose his belt to John Cena on the show, and yet we all thought, "Holy shit, John Cena is about to win the belt." And then he didn't. That's how good the match was. Wow. That's an incredible house show final. That's it like, was. That's there, like a um, WrestleMania match. Well, the house shows are – you also have to remember that house shows are used for these guys to get reps with each other. Yeah, that's fair. So if, if the WWE wants that match on a pay-per-view, they have to wrestle each other at some point. Yep. So do it at a house show. Why not? Um, it, that was easily the best match. But, I, I mean, everyone you would hope to see you saw basically – uh, Samoa Joe and Finn Balor wrestled. And they were fun. Uh, wasn't the greatest match of all time, but it was a fun match, and I enjoyed every second of it. There was a cage match between Seth Rollins, uh, Jason Jordan, and Sheamus and Cesaro. It was a little flat and disappointing, but okay. it's still a cage match. Cage matches are fun. Still fun. Uh, Sasha Banks wrestled. Asuka wrestled. Bailey wrestled. Whoever, anyone you wanted to see, you saw, and it was worth it. House shows are fun. House shows are cheap, and if you like the WWE at all, I would recommend going to house shows. You know what we should do sometime this week, even though we hate it? Mm-hmm. We should talk about football playoffs. Oh, we should. You want to do a football playoff preview podcast? I do. I don't know if I, when I'm going to have time this week, but I'm going to find it. 
Uh, uh, well, now this is a good time to plug this. So we're starting our personalized podcast series. This is a good time to talk about our whole new, since you guys have, most of you have, are turned off already because the WWE, the people who are stuck around here, thank you so uh-huh. much. Uh, yeah. We've changed the way we're doing all of our Patreon. We've changed. We, I wouldn't say change. I wouldn't say we've changed all of the way. We've made adjustments. We've made adjustments to the to the reward tiers of how it works. Yes. Mm-hmm. So here's the changes. The one dollar tier is still access to the Discord. The Discord is maybe almost the best thing about our our Patreon. It's a nice. It was it was lit during the Winter Classic game today. I was unfortunately driving, but I I love those people. I am. I've become really good friends with a lot of people on the Discord, and uh, I've. It's a little community. It's really nice. Um, then we also are doing this for the five dollar. We've changed to we're doing a personalized podcast series. What's gonna well, happen? hold on? Oh, okay. Now, if, if the one dollar is the Discord, yes, but you also get to listen to the personalized podcast series. That's true. That's what I was gonna. We're, that's what I was gonna go with. Right. You, okay. Well, I'm just saying, it's. Okay. So now you transition to the five and we explain what the personalized podcast series is. Okay, that's fine. Sorry. Right. So the personalized podcast series is if you are a supporter for $5 or more, we're going to do a personalized podcast with you. We're going to ask you a couple questions, bring you on uh, probably like 10 to 15 minutes. And then we're going to post it on the Patreon uh, for every, all, everyone in the community to listen. So everyone kind of gets to know each other and everyone kind of talks about random rage or fandom and everyone has a certain personality. And, and it uh, also helps us get to know you because exactly. there, there are basically two pinnacle questions we're going to ask everyone. Uh, how did you become a Ranger fan? Because everyone has their own unique story, and I think those are fun. Mm-hmm. And then, how the fuck did you find us? Yep. And then <laughs> like, I just want to know. I, I, I'm, a, I'm dying to know how people actually stumbled upon us. I am, I am also, and then we'll probably shoot some nonsense with you, to be honest. Um, Absolutely. And then uh, we're also sending out stickers uh, in the five dollar tier. Stick, new, new stickers. Sticker round two. You get the first round of stickers and the second round. Um, and every every this isn't just uh, oh you're doing one more new round. No, every year we're going to do a new round of stickers. Might and it's going to be three stickers every time. Might even be two and times. And it might even, so. be more, might even be two times a year. But yep. at least once a year, it's going to be three stickers every time. And it's going to – the next round of stickers, Booty Sather. Definitely You're booty getting Sather. Booty Sather. You're getting uh, BET Awards Dal Troutwig. That's going to be a great one. Have we agreed on the third one or but, are we still TBD? I think we had an idea, but we forgot. So we'll talk about it. So we're uh, TBD. We're TBD on the third idea. Um, and then for the $10 tier, we've changed a lot. So it used to be, uh, we, you know, you could have us read a fake personal ad or something like that. And also you, we do a bonus podcast session after every episode for like 10 to 15 minutes that, that only those people get to listen to. Oh, we should also mention oh, yeah. um, for the $5 tier, the so not the overtime breakaways, which are the 10 minutes we do exclusively for Patreon, but podcast specials like our Star Wars or Baby Driver, those are now available to everyone $5 and up. Uh, it used to be just $10 and up. But those will be immediately available to $5 and up. And then for everyone else, two weeks to a month afterwards. Yep. And then we'll post that. So if you don't ever want to support us, you still want to hear it, you can. Just have to wait. Just gotta wait. You just got to wait a month. Let's got to wait. That's fine. Um, and then so with the $10, we did the personal – not the personalized podcast. We do the overtime breakaways, which were always very fun. And a lot of nonsense that go on in there if you support us for there. And we're also doing a whole merch kind of calendar. And the way this works is – we're going to send out four pieces of merch to people who are $10 subscribers. We're going to do two t-shirts this year, and we're also going to do a calendar, and we're also going to do a huge poster that's going to be an absolute mess that you're not going to miss, want to miss out on. So if you want to... The, the, way, I, the way I described it to our Discord uh, fans is it's a word cloud poster. 
shit that we say on this podcast all the time, we're going to vomit on a poster. And that's what you're going to get. That's pictures. And it's not only words. It's going to be, we're going to have a couple of designers do some stuff for us. And it's going to be awesome. Um, so that's a little bit of the changes. If you guys want to come on in this new year and support our podcast, you know, throw a dollar at our face and get on our Discord. This Discord's awesome. Um, the Discord is fantastic. We're not under underselling our Discord. It is more active than I ever thought it would be. It's literally 24-7. It is, and it, it blows my mind. It's definitely a good place to, to meet other Ranger fans and talk about any of the games going on or anything, honestly. Not um, not just Ranger games, too. There's, there's a whole soccer community in our Discord. Uh, yesterday, or no, Sunday before NFL games started, I had an in-depth like NFL draft conversation with some of the guys in the Discord, just trying to formulate what quarterbacks are going to go where, who the Giants could possibly take, should the Giants trade down. Like, this was a two-hour conversation in the Discord. Not once were the Rangers brought up. It's a great place. Uh, I know we're shilling super hard right now, and I know you're like, guys, I'm never going to support you. That's okay. Uh, Thanks for listening. Seriously, you're listening. If you wrote us a review, that was also nice. That was also nice of you, too. But if you can afford it, you want to do any of the tiers, throw a dollar at our face, come check it out. Appreciate it. And well, we will also say the T-shirts will be available for individual purchase. Uh, obviously, it'll be more than $10. But if you don't want – if you want to get your hands on these T-shirts, great. We'd love to get them to you. Yep. Um, we're just saying if you want guaranteed T-shirts both times without having to spend extra money, $10 tier has your name all over it. Absolutely does. We're getting out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Shirts Break. That's about it. Go to our website, Blue Shirts Breakaway. Read all our stuff. We have like six writers now. We're coming really close to 700 followers on Twitter, too. That's pretty good. All right. Uh, Follow Drew, Nick, James, Keatner, etc., all our writers. Follow Travis, too. Travis is fantastic. Oh, Travis goes, too. Do follow him, too. All right, we're out of here. Peace out, guys. Bye-bye.